0: Um, Welcome, everybody. As you know, we've been going through a a series on the the Sermon of the Mount, one of the, uh, I guess, historically greatest sermon of all times, delivered by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it kind of encompasses everything in it, as, as His Word seems to do, wherever you look at it from Beginning of Genesis, the end of Revelation, it seems to... um, I love little, like I said last service, little... I'm just going through a few verses here today, and I love it. You go through the Bible from the beginning to the end, and every few verses encapsulates a little beautiful message and and sermon there, and the gospel is there over and over and over again throughout the Word of God. And it's it's a wonderful thing. So this morning, uh, the portion that I've got the privilege of looking at... We're looking at Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. And we're looking at verses 16 through 24. Just those, those verses, Matthew, chapter 6, verses 16 through 24. So as I, um, I believe as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ, that many, many people, including myself, I put myself in the middle of all of this. Many people, including myself, tend to separate this life. We don't always do it, but I I do it. Hopefully we do it less frequently, but we tend to separate this life from the next life, from eternal life. The thought for many is, is like, yes, we believe in our eternal life to come, but for the time being, while I'm here in this life, I need to do certain things the way that they're done here for now. So it's like a scale. It's like, it's like a scale that I'll put this much of my time and resources into this life. And I'll put this much time and resources into the next life. But as you can see, you don't see that scale being spoken of very evenly or at all in, in Scripture how much time that we're to spend directly on the aspects of each life isn't really talked of much, especially what we've seen from the Lord from here on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus seems to be speaking about living the eternal life that we already have and living it right now. And not waiting for a different reality to come, but living it right now. Live like it's seen as reality right now, right here, right now, by faith. To live a holy and righteous and eternal life while we're still in this unholy, corrupt, temporal world and still carrying around this body of death, but to live eternally right now. And, and the, the, the deal is that we can, we can do it now because Jesus paved the way. He got rid of our, our biggest roadblock, our sin. He got it out of the way. Okay, guys. Open, open highway now. Live a holy life. I know it's. I mean, it's tougher because we're carrying around this body of death that's a slave to sin. But the road is open now, whereas it wasn't before. This is what Jesus says in John chapter five, verse twenty-four. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. He doesn't say it's going to happen. It's happened. We have it now. I have passed from death into life. So if you're here today and if you've confessed If you've confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior and have confessed your sin, surrendered to him and believe in his word, then you have eternal life. Now. And you have, you've already passed from death into life. That's why he says don't be afraid of of He who can harm the body. The hard work is already done. He did it for us. We've already passed from death to life. We're just gonna, he's gonna usher us into eternal life as we get rid of this ball and chain, this body we carry around. And you now actually have the ability through the Holy Spirit to live a holy life in this unholy world. We have the ability now, whereas before, before receiving Jesus, his death and resurrection on the cross for your sins, you couldn't. It was impossible. You couldn't live a holy life. If you were anything like me, you, you, when the Lord was drawing you, I remember you try, and maybe for a week or two do pretty good, but then you plummet again, worse than before, and then you, six months, of, man, I've been living a holy life, I'm wearing white pants, you know, praying, and, and then plummet again, worse every time, worse and worse. It was, and I know now why, it was impossible for me. So Jesus says, get living your eternal life. Get living now. Forget about the the motives that you have about everything in this life from a, a temporal perspective and start living right now with a motive towards everything in this life for an eternal perspective. Remember that everything, you're living eternal life now. He says, so... Live because what you achieve and what you do here right now will carry on into eternity. And that's what he's been saying all, all along in this sermon. The, the Right from the beginning, the blessings or the Beatitudes from the beginning of chapter 5, they, they are coming true partially now, but for the most part, they're blessings to come in eternity. And yes, of course, we enjoy we enjoy them now by faith, but it's, there's a lot of, of an eternal perspective going on here. It's like a person who has a huge, say if you have a, a massive financial problem now, debt. I'm sure some of us have experienced that. If you had a huge financial problems now, but if, if you knew that in five years, for sure, you were coming into a massive financial inheritance, that will take care of all your financial problems and put you on easy street. Well, then you're not going to stress much about, about your current problems or your current debt because you know that the end is near. It's going to be over. So even though you still got all this debt, you're like, it's going to be gone. Who cares? Let's just pile it on. <laughs> you know, I'm $40,000 in debt, but I got $2 million coming to me. like, just keep piling, get another credit card, let's go. You know, because you know what's coming. So the, these are some of the, let me sort of backtrack a couple of the truths that Jesus has been talking about throughout this sermon, through the last couple of weeks that we've been going through. He, he says for us to be the salt of the earth. He says for us to be the salt of the earth for God's purposes, for, the, for eternal purposes, and he says for our hearts, to need, they need to be pure of even evil thoughts. Because he wants us to live our eternal life now, to be thinking like we will eternally. And he says for us to love our enemies and go the second mile. To love the way that we will love eternally, to the, the love the way God loves. And we're to do good even if... Last week, I think it was, he, he said, for us to do good, even if no one sees us, only God, if it's done in secret, to be our eternal selves now, it doesn't matter about what's going on in the world, who sees us, what's going on, it's like, this is just who I am now, so he wants us to live our eternal lives now, here, it's all about living our eternal lives now, but, but living it by faith, so Jesus continues with the same theme here, of doing things that Benefit Maybe not sometimes our, our temporal situations so much right now, but they benefit our, our eternal condition. And it's really about sacrificing the flesh and the needs of the flesh to benefit the Spirit. And, and, and I think the Lord is trying to show us that through that, everything is taken care of. He can lift us through everything that doesn't... It's very Supernatural how he can lift us through these things. When we deny the flesh in the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, he lifts us through it, and we're we're totally fine. Actually, better than fine. We're better than we were when we were trying to feed the flesh. So let me read our our first few um, verses here, and let's pray and ask the Lord to uh, speak to us really clearly. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word here this morning, and Lord, thank you for this time of worship that we can come to, to you, our Father, and, and openly just worship you and proclaim you as our, our Lord and our Savior and our Father and our brother, Lord, and we need to hear from you, Father, so please speak to us here this morning, Lord, speak to every heart here this morning, and teach us and encourage us, help us to be more like Jesus, Lord, and show us each how you desire us to leave this place, Lord to be a little more like your son. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. So verses 16 through 18, Matthew chapter 6, like I said this morning, I'm going through verses 16 through 24. Let me read verses 16 through 18 for you. It says, moreover, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. But to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So you see, from a, from a, from a temporal perspective, I would want to get something out of my religious living. I want to be seen. I want people to know that I'm dedicated to what I believe. I'm looking for some some kind of payback here in, in this life, in the flesh. And for, and, and for that to be noticed by others, deep down inside, I mean, there's with a temporal perspective, that's sort of what's going on. Hiding these little, like, well, it'd be great if someone told me that that was good, or, you know, I'm looking for some some kind of a, a feeding of the flesh. But in my continuing eternal life that I'm living right now, I'm doing things alongside my Father in heaven and asking Him to help me through this journey. While I'm still carrying this body of death, living in this temporal life. In the flesh. So I'm trying to strengthen my eternal self, my spirit. And I'm trusting God to help me with this. And he does. So we all, we all know. I mean, it's, it's simple. We all know what these verses are saying. He says, do your fasting, your denying of, of food or, or physical needs or desires of your flesh. Do this privately so that nobody knows you're doing it. Nobody knows but God my first thought is, when you really pare this down, first off is like, from a, especially from an unbelieving perspective, it's like, why? People in the world who don't believe in God, they fast for other reasons, their physical health, their health, you know, and they want to cleanse the body. But from God's perspective, like, why? What, what am I doing here? What am I doing in this in the first place? Is it a religious thing? What does it accomplish? Well, if I look, if I, if I do it to be seen by people, then yeah, instantly it's a religious thing. Or if I require it, oh, this is a fasting, the fasting afternoon, guys. You guys haul off to fast. This is a, yeah, a holy obligation right now. If I'm doing it, then it becomes a religious thing. Look at me. Look at, look at what I'm doing. I, I'm such a spiritual guy. I showed up on Thursday and did that fasting that we did. But in secret, why am I doing it? Why am I doing these things? Why does it say that God will reward me? For what? Rob, I'm glad you put that 30 miles in and the gas, and you drove from Chilliwack and came and did that. One, Check the mark off that so you can go back home now and just make sure you're there again the next Thursday. Remember that God is always helping us with with our eternal eternal life, our eternal success, helping me live now how I will live eternally, because he knows it's good for me, because he loves me. So while I'm denying my flesh so that I rely more on, on the spirit during these times, I'm not relying on the flesh for my comfort or even fulfilling some of my essential needs for a time, but I'm leaning completely on the Spirit, leaning on God, the Holy Spirit, to feed me, to comfort me, and to sustain, sustain me. And nobody knows but God. And the reason why he wants me to do it, because he's showing me the truth of it. That when I deny all that and I just cling to him, something beautiful happens. I feel f- completely and utterly fulfilled and content. And I thought that I needed this. But I, no, I only need Jesus. It's like, wow, thanks for showing me that, Lord. And you got to remind me every day because I'm adult and I forget all the time. Because I'm carrying around this body of sin. So I have a relationship with God. It's about faith. Why am I doing these things? It's about, I believe what you're telling me, Lord. It's faith. Remember in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he, I love this, it's so simple, must believe, first of all, that he is. Sometimes, you know, when you have those really dry times, sometimes you have to go right back to the beginning and go, just believe that he is. He's with me, he's real. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So he will reward me because of my faith. It pleases God when I have blind faith for Him, and no one else in the world knows what I'm doing, just Him. So this whole theme of, of living for eternity now, it continues on in our verses in, in verse 19 through 21. It says, "Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven." where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I love these parts of Scripture that really take no translation and no work. They're just so clear. I, was telling, I told the, the service before that we were in the Rockies just this past week, me and my family, so it made me think of this, that some of these Scriptures like this are... They're as clear as glacial water. It's just crystal clear. You can see what the Lord is saying. You don't have to go, yeah, I wonder what he's telling me here. It's like, read it. And I think most of the Bible is like that. Just read the thing. Okay, yeah. So you don't like that, but you do like this. Okay, great. It's really simple. And I've heard so much arguing from Christians about verses like this and what's meant here. Well, it must, be still, it must still be okay for people to build up their their self-worth and their portfolio and their, their retirement funds, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously, I'm not, I'm not going to lay down any hardcore doctrine on this because it's, it's not there. And I think it's really a personal thing between God and an individual. It doesn't have, have anything to do with amounts. If I've put away $3 million for my retirement or if I have nothing... I've known or read about Christians who gain great, great wealth and massive retirement and I've known or read about Christians who continually give away most of, of what they gain, everything and receive their daily sustenance just simply from the Lord regularly. So all I can do is read his word and respond to it myself because he's speaking to me. When you read it, he's speaking to you. Some of it is general, and it's for all of us. Some some of it's very personal. All I can do is read it and respond to it as the Holy Spirit leads me, and not not as my flesh leads me. I can't do this, because it's so clear for me. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, or treasures on earth. (laughs) Gee, Lord, uh, does that mean I can... uh, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So like I say, it isn't about how much of a hold I have on stuff, how much I really rely on myself and my abilities for sustenance, how much I believe that I did it. How much family time or time investing in God's kingdom am I instead investing in in the Pleasures of this world. These are some of the questions I have between me and and the Lord. Help me to to understand myself, Lord. I don't want to lie to myself. Show me what, what you desire of me. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. There's a parable there. And the Lord speaks a parable exactly about this kind of thing. There's a man who's so concerned about gathering stuff and piling it up that he doesn't even realize that God's going to require his life of him that night. And it's going to be all for naught. And Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22, speaks about finances and inheritance and various areas in the Bible. Proverbs 6, verse 6, Ecclesi- Ecclesiastes chapter 11, talks about finances, about stuff. But there's not a lot in the New Testament about like really specific about this important topic. And like I say, I believe it's because it's really a personal thing between a person and their Lord, the balance between flesh and spirit. And the deal is, I mean, be smart, be a hardworking person. I mean, these are all biblical things. Be smart, be a hardworking person, be a good steward of what God gives, be giving, but don't dwell on stuff, money, goods. I think scripture and my relationship with my father is really clear. I believe that if I'm seeking God's will for my life daily, wholeheartedly, and sold out to, to serve him, that he allows me to put the onus on him to care for me. He says at the end of this whole sermon that we'll probably look at next week. In Matthew chapter six, verse 33, he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It's the same thing, like I said. I mean, do you have to translate that? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things we've just been talking about will be added to you. Not because you sought them, you sought me. And he means it. When he speaks, he means it. He's the Lord God of all eternity, his word. It's, I believe Jesus fulfilled this perfectly. He did fulfill it perfectly, but we all fall short in, in different degrees. I believe that this, Jesus fulfilled it perfectly. He, he trusted wholly and, and solely in his father for everything. And he had everything he needed. So I believe this is a godly principle for, for all believers. The more time, finances, skills, passion, the more of my life that I pour into furthering God's kingdom, the less I will be concerned about stuff. Yet all the stuff that I will ever need will always be there. And I'm not even thinking about it. am not even worried about it. This is a total sideline thing but I just thought I have that same principle with addictions and problems like that in life stop focusing on the addiction focus on Jesus 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 And one day you go like holy smokes I haven't done that for a week holy smokes I haven't done that for a month I haven't done that for six months oh my goodness it's gone Jesus is the answer to everything It's a, this is an integral part of the relationship between every believer and, and God. So the next couple of verses has confused people a little bit. It used to confuse me a little bit. But if you look at it from the right angle, it's simple. And it's, and it's really tied into the last couple of verses we just looked at and tied into our, our daily mindset. Is it temporal? Is it a temporal mindset or an eternal mindset that we have? Verses 22 through 23 says this. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? These are some of those verses that sometimes we like to skate past because it's like, oh, okay, well, whatever. Because some of them are pretty hard hitting, right? But if, if, your, if your eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. If, there, if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Lord. So it comes down to, am I or am I not serving God with my life and acting like a true child of God? Am I playing games with God? Do I really believe in my salvation, in my relationship with Jesus Christ, or is this a game? That's why I, I believe the, the Christian walk, the Christian life is, is filled with joy, but it's very, there's a, it's very serious. <laughs> there's nothing more serious. Heaven or hell, I don't think it gets much more, you know, so, it's, so the, those kind of deep questions for ourselves, they're very serious. It's like, Lord, I don't want to mock you. I don't want to make a joke of you. And if my faith is waning, build it, Lord, because I don't want to be this sort of, I don't want you to spit me out of your mouth. I want to be walking with you. So it's it's very convicting. And once again, it's about whether or not I'm living my eternal existence and character, whether or not I'm living it now. Someone who's heavenly-minded really has a good eye. Someone who's earthly-minded has a bad eye. It's all about generosity and a giving mindset or or a miserly selfish mindset. And it's based on on this uh, old ancient, ancient sort of uh, saying from the ancient Jews. The commentary writer Clark says this. He said, an evil eye was a phrase that was in use among the ancient Jews to denote an envious, covetous man Or disposition a man who repined at his neighbors prosperity loved his own money and would do nothing in the way of charity for God's sake that was known as a an evil eye so the last line in our our verses there um, for some is a little worrisome if therefore the light that is in you is darkness how great is that darkness I think it's awesome how the Lord keeps challenging our faith too. I'm so thankful for it because I, I would just, in my flesh, I would just sort of wander off over here. But he keeps convicting me. Not because of, he's some mean or religious God, because he loves me. He wants to get me on track, Rob, Rob. So I, I, that's why I think it's beautiful that God keeps challenging our faith. How much are you going to trust, he's like, he's saying, how much are you going to trust me with all things in your life? How much are you going to acknowledge me in all areas of your life? I'm speaking to myself, because he says, because you're not. Oh yeah, Lord, I know, oh my goodness. It might be an area of, a small area of shame over here or a small area of covetousness over here, so get rid of that, Lord. Lord. So Jesus sums up these verses about living the eternal life now by laying down the bottom line. And he's really good at that. He does it all the time. He talks about something and then he just sums it up and goes, it's about this. Verse 24, our last verse, says this. It says, no one can serve two masters. Man, this sums it up, eh? (laughs) He says, no one can serve two masters. Listen how hard-hitting this is. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. One second, Lord, I gotta go and research that and find out what you really mean there. Let's see, don't serve. I mean, like, come on, it's so clear. I don't need to interpret any of this. You cannot serve God and mammon. It's, it's that straightforward, and mammon really is... There's a bunch of uh, uh, interpretations of what it means, but it's stuff. It's important stuff, stuff that's important to me, stuff that's of great value to me. But the stuff, it's material stuff, riches or wealth or gathering great amounts of it. But really, anything that I put too much value on in this life above the life that I have with God is mammon. God wants me to be living my, my life eternal with him, and he wants me to be living it right now, where I don't need mammon, I don't need stuff, I don't need any stuff, I just need him. So he wants me living this eternal life right now, when this body dies, I'm just stepping out, out of this ball and chain into life, and continuing on with life without this. So instead of looking at it, he wants, doesn't want us to look at it as we're... Losing something. We're not losing this life. What we're doing is we're losing the ball and chain that we have, but we're just continuing on with our life. It's a different mindset. But he gives us a great warning here. Look at, look at how he phrases it. It's not, it's not a maybe. He says, either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. So, if I go through periods of dry faith in my walk, if I'm smart, I need to take the words, the Lord's words, take them seriously. Maybe I'm too focused on stuff in my life right now, and on my comforts, and my future, and my opinions, and my life, and my, my, my. I need to get back to loving God and His purposes wholeheartedly, and sold out. Or else I'm putting myself in, in danger, in danger of slipping into a state of, of rejection or, or apathy, or, or like he says, a state of despising God and his reality. That sounds harsh, but the heart, the, the heart hardens if, if we slip away from God. It just That's what happens. And I, and I cannot think that this is not possible for me. We always think it's the other guy. It's a guy who did that crazy stuff. Oh yeah, he's drifting away. I can't think that this isn't possible for me. Because as you guys know, within yourselves, we're complex beings. The stuff that goes on in here is crazy. All the thoughts and the feelings and the it's we're complex beings. And as it was pointed out in the beginning of this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking with, with everyone, yes, but he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to people like us, like people like us here, here this morning. So, and he's warning us. He's saying, if you love mammon, stuff your life, your comforts too much, Make the scales tip over to your life here and now, this temporal life. If you've been doing that too much, you'll begin to move away from me. You'll be, begin to move away from God. Your heart will harden. So what I need to do is I need to cling to Jesus at all costs, not out of a religious purpose, but just because it, it's, it's wise, it makes sense. He is life. I need to cling to him. Put him in the center, because this is a war that's going on. I'm carrying around this body of death that's susceptible to sin. I need to cling to him. If I have any wisdom in my brain, my heart, put him in the center of my life, my purposes, my marriage, my family, my work, my daily life. I need to become a Jesus freak. And just for my own insurance against growing distant or hardened, from the Lord. Doesn't Jesus sum it up and he challenges us with the truth later on in, 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 in Matthew. Matthew chapter 10, verses 38 through 39 says, And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. So these are, I mean, there's some pretty straightforward, profound, challenging words. My life is his. Sometimes we have to stop and reset our walk as a Christian. If, and he's doing this, not to make us religious and bring us down, because he wants us to have the fullness of joy, which is with him, in him. So sometimes I have to stop and reset my life and go, Oh, yes, Lord, it's about you. You are my life. My life is his. Just as as John tells us, Jesus is life, he is life. So if, if we have Jesus, we already have everything. We don't need stuff, the stuff in this world. Proverbs, uh, let me finish up with this. Proverbs chapter 15, verses 16 through 17 says this. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. So let me ask the uh, worship team to, to come up while we close. So this, this journey with the Lord, it's, as you guys know, it's very real. It's an eternal journey, and it's, it's not a temporal religious journey. It's a very real, it's happening as we speak right now. So even when we approach going to church like this and gathering together, remember that we're, the whole point isn't to... Put the, you know, put the mark on and check mark, Lord, I did another Sunday. That's not the point. The point is we're to get, to get together to love one another and to love God and to hear from God and to grow in him, to grow in our eternal life with him. And these relationships, we might as well continue working on them because we'll, we're going to be together forever, forever loving one another and, and growing in, with one another so keeping that in, in mind when we're here together, what we're trying to achieve, it's a very real, real living thing that we're trying to do here. It is, there's nothing, it's the exact opposite of religion. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 1 says, walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear from the Lord rather than to give the sacrifice of fools for they do not know what they do that they do evil. The Lord's just saying, this is very real. I want to talk to you. So come, come together and love one another and encourage one another about, about what I've just spoken to you and help one another and pray for one another. It's, it's a whole journey that, uh, that he's experiencing with us. So, that, so it's an it's a incredibly joyous thing. We're not doing church. We're not doing religion. We're living life. We're living eternal life right now. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Lord God, your, your word is just, it is life. It is beautiful, Lord. Thank you for speaking to us here this morning. And Lord, uh, I pray that your word would just continue to grow in each one of us and it would change us, Lord. We wouldn't, we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers of the word, Lord. So thank you for being with us here this morning speaking to us. And Lord, we pray that you would bring our senior pastor Brent safely with his family back home to his church here. Lord God, be with us as we leave this place. And we thank you for all these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.